Welcome to the 67th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a recap of Patrick's weekend predictions and a discussion of major trades and signings in the NBA. Let's jump right in with a look at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com, and all of our predictions are in the MLB, where the White Sox swept the Cubs in the Windy City Series, Patrick correctly picking the White Sox to win that series. The Phillies swept the Mets. Patrick correctly picked the Phillies. The Giants took two or three from the Brewers. Patrick incorrectly picked the Brewers to take that series. And finally, in the freeway series, in interleague play, the Dodgers took two or three from the Angels, with Patrick correctly picking the Dodgers, meaning Patrick went 3-1 and one in his MLB predictions, which is 3-1 and one overall in this weekend's predictions, bringing him to 154 and 115 overall, a 57.2% winning percentage this season. Patrick, your thoughts? Well, this week very easily could have been 4-0, so in total probably not that pleasing to me, but overall still a good week of predictions. Uh, in the White Sox series, you had Lynn and Rodon just dominating the Cubs, then three home runs in the first inning in Game 3 to take a 5 nothing lead. Uh, that was a pretty easy sweep for the White Sox, and to be quite honest, it wasn't even like the fans were really into it for, I was about to say Chicago, but for the Cubs... Uh, it was really, honestly, a 50-50 split crowd seemingly to, seemingly at all three games, and the day games didn't look like they were too full at all, although the Sunday night baseball game seemed like it had more people at it, even though it ended up raining for a little bit there, so that obviously changed stuff a little bit. But uh, yeah, overall, you have the White Sox just rolling through. You like to see them beat really good teams more, but you know if they're going to keep sweeping these teams, they're going to end up in the playoffs, and that's really all they can ask for right now, and that's a pretty good result for that franchise. Uh, Then you have the Phillies sweeping the Mets. This is a really bad result for the Mets. Uh, If you're the Phillies, you're really, really happy about this. But if you're the Mets, you should be supremely upset because you went and got Javi Baez at the deadline and you thought that that's all you needed to to cement your team. Then you get swept by the team that you had a one and a half game lead on. Uh, And and by the way, a four, probably a four or three and a half game lead, I believe, at the All-Star break. So this is not good. I believe the Phillies are now up by two and a half games on the Mets, I'm pretty sure. Um, and look, the Phillies almost gave game two away. They gave up three home runs back-to-back-to-back in the top of the ninth with a 5 nothing lead and actually had to bring in Ian Kennedy. And by the way, he almost gave up that game too, but uh, they end up with... They end up having him close the game by striking out Pete Alonso and J.D. Davis back-to-back, so... In the end, the Mets got Game 2, and then Game 3, you just had a complete game from Zach Wheeler with 11 strikeouts, just utterly dominant by him. Uh, so, you know, good luck Good luck to the Mets catching up. That was not a good result for them. Yeah, they are two and a half games back of the Phillies, and now even the Braves are ahead of the Mets by a half a game. So, it, it's not looking too great for the Mets. Then you have the Giants and the Brewers. Uh, this one's a fight for, really, honestly, home, home field mostly. Uh, the Brewers just trying to prove how good they are. Uh, it doesn't really help when Avisa El Garcia drops the last out of the game in a tie game, or actually not in a tie game, when they were ahead 2-1. to one. And then he drops it, and the Giants score a run on a triple, I guess probably more an error. I bet they scored that an error, but uh, a three-base error nonetheless, with two outs in the top of the ninth, up 2-1. And that is the only thing that kept me between a 3-1 and and a 4-0 and week, which is why I was saying I was very happy, but at the same time very annoyed because very easily could have been 4-0, and and then actually that game went on to be, I believe, 9-6 to in extra innings, which is 
crazy considering. Yeah, after like after they were after it was ten two, runs scored in extra innings or something. Yeah, after it was two to two in regulation, which is uh, yeah, it's something. Uh, but yeah, two games in that series go to extra innings, and then the Giants win the final game five four on a comeback. So a really really good series. And I said this to you earlier today. If that was in a Dodgers-Padres or a Dodgers-Giants series, we'd probably be saying it's the best series of the year in terms of regular season ones. But uh, just because the stakes, there's no rivalry involved, it really didn't amount to that energy-wise. But at the same time, a really, really good series, a well-played series. And then you have the Dodgers taking two of three from the Angels. Uh, That one, honestly, was not a one that I wanted to pick because... It wasn't really a given that the Dodgers would win that series, but with Urias and Bueller on the mound in in a series uh, against any team that's not really the Giants, the Brewers, those types of top teams, the Dodgers are almost guaranteed to win that series, to be quite honest. Especially when Trey Turner is exactly the medicine that the Dodgers need to fix all their ailments right now. Uh, Just in the leadoff spot, scoring in the first inning, two games in a row, Trey Turner gets on base, gets to set, actually not even gets to second in the first game, but Muncie doubles him in in the second game of the series. Then in the third game of the series, he gets on base with it with a double and then scores on a Muncie single. So that one-two combo at the top of the lineup has been really good. Probably gives Muncie a really good chance of winning MVP if somebody in front of him is going to get on base that much. Uh, and then, and especially get in a scoring position. I believe he also scored on a single from first base today, which is, uh, that's some, that, that's a little crazy. Uh, yeah, it, it's ridiculous, but, uh, yeah, Trey Turner, just speed also on defense made some really great plays. And honestly, he played really good defense for being in a position that he's not native to playing second base. Yeah. Playing second base. And then obviously, uh, the Dodgers lost that first game in extra innings, which there was there continue at one in 12 in extra innings now, but uh, that was the day Trey Turner just got activated, and also Cody Bellinger hit two home runs in the series. So after that first game, all things pointing Dodgers, con- considering that how they came back in that series, and then also how good Trey Turner has been, and getting Bellinger back to his normal form. Yeah, it could have been a Dodger sweep, uh, and the Giants could easily have lost that series, like you said. Uh, I think funny. Dave Roberts had a funny quote. He said, uh, the Dodgers don't have problems in extra innings. The Dodgers' problem is allowing those games that shouldn't have gotten to extra innings to get to extra innings, and Friday night's game with the series is one of those. A lot of missed opportunities in that game. Yeah, there were there were a few. I mean, honestly, first inning, second and third, no one out, and only manage one. Yeah, you're happy you get one run, but, I mean, all you need is a single, and you get two. Dropped fly ball in the infield that allows a run to score. Missed although opportunities. That a, although that was, in a, that was in a game that they won, though, so that's didn't true. mean they, as they, much. They came back. Yeah. They're, just, they're, they're missing opportunities, and uh, they're giving other opportunities. Yeah. All right, any other thoughts on your weekend picks? Nope. All right, well, Patrick's predictions for next weekend will be posted on our website, as we mentioned, on Thursday at 4thand24.com. Since the last time we talked about the NBA, there has been a flurry of trades and free agent signings. Uh, so let's go take another look at the NBA and those free agent trades, free agent signings and trades. Patrick? I tried to organize this in pretty much the same team-by-team team order that we did last time, but I might have uh, messed it up a few times, or maybe some teams only made some signings last weekend. It's very possible. Uh, but let's start with the Lakers, just like we did last time. Last time it was obviously because of the huge Russell Westbrook trade, but... The Lakers this week add Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk, and by the way, we had mentioned some possible Carmelo rumors, also some Patty Mills rumors, but we'll get to where he went later. Uh, Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn and re-signed Talon Horton Tucker, 
which I think is going to fill up their entire roster in addition to probably some undrafted guys and guys that you'd say 10th, 11th, 12th men aren't really that necessary in the NBA. So probably some guys from the summer league uh, that they have on their team. Maybe they, maybe they re-signed Kosas Antetokounmpo. Who knows? Maybe they're still trying to recruit Giannis for when LeBron retires. You never know. Now that he got his championship, hey, he can leave now, right? Uh, so who knows what the Lakers will do with the rest of their roster, but... Mello, Malik Monk, Nunn, T- Horton Tucker, AD, LeBron, Russ. I mean, that's, that's seven right there. They also have the other four guys that they signed last week. Uh, so it's a pretty full roster. And by the way, they managed to get all these guys for $15 million. It it really does wonders to have a great front office. Uh, so and a great front line of, of LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. For recruit- well, yeah, for recruiting purposes, but at the same time, I mean, they could go play in Brooklyn and make more money because there have been more, there have been a lot of players, and we'll get to this, but there have been a lot of players signing with Brooklyn too. So I mean, they could they could find other places that they could compete, even in Milwaukee. Uh, but moving on from the Lakers, Javante Green re-signed with the Bulls for two years, and Tony Bradley for one year. They also finalized the rumored sign and trade that we were talking about last podcast for Demar Derozan. A bunch of picks going every which way in this one. I think this might get. I forget which trade got looped in. I believe it is this one that got looped into the Wizards trade and makes it a five-team sign-in trade, including Russell Westbrook, which <laughs> tends to happen because uh, NBA teams make this make these trades before they can actually make them official, and then everybody just wants a little piece, and then all of a sudden now you have a six-team trade. Uh, I guarantee you that at some point, if people find a way to get around tampering more, which there are some tampering rumors around this deal, and there's an investigation going into it, I, I honestly think that you might see a deal at some point that has 20 teams in it because it, it really is possible. I mean, the Houston deal with James Harden had four or five teams in it, and that was in the middle of the year. So you give teams a whole offseason to think about something, they might go a little bit crazy. Uh, but I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know what your opinion is on this, but I feel like in the age of the super team, having a core of Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Laurie Markinen. It's Doesn't just move the needle. I, and and Lonzo Ball. I mean, who cares? I don't think it's really a who cares, but at the same time, it's you're in the age of the super team, and that's the thing. It's not going to get any attention. And, and by the way, no offense, but Zach Levine's not Giannis either, so it's not like they can be a team that beats the super team. And by the way, the Bucks would be considered a super team in any other year other than the Warriors' years, anyway. Uh, but that's a different conversation. But still. I just don't see where this goes. I guess they're easily a top eight team now, and they just want to give the city of Chicago a playoff appearance for the first time in forever, which I guess that has some appeal to it. I bet some other franchises would like their teams to do that. But at the same time, you're not really going to compete with this team, in my opinion. I nobody's, mean, Nobody's talking about the Bulls as a championship team. Contenders, I think you're playing. Although, at the same time, that did happen with the Suns last year, and look where that ended up. So I guess you can say that you're taking just, just hoping that it you're taking the chance and just saying... Let's solidify ourselves in the playoffs and see what happens from there, although Lonzo Ball is not Chris Paul. Uh, moving on from that, the Pelicans get Devontae Graham for four years, $47 million. Uh, some offloading from the Charlotte players. I think we actually did talk about this on the last podcast, but I think it was still having some financials, uh, financial stuff in the works. 
Moving on from that, the Heat re-signed Jimmy Butler. That has become official. We talked about it last week. I believe four years, $184 million. We talked about this on the last podcast, but it is now official. They also signed Markeith Morris, and they also signed Max Struess for two years, who was playing for them last year, a, a sharpshooter for them. And by the way, Markeith Morris also had some pretty good shooting. Now, now, this is what I'm thinking about when it comes to the Bulls. I feel like the Bulls are a lower-end version of the Heat. Exactly. Uh, I think when you're looking at Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, and Bam Adebayo, you're really looking at the same thing in Chicago, but to a lesser extent because the players are a little bit worse with Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, and DeMar DeRozan. Uh, maybe there's no direct comparison from Lonzo Ball to, I mean, there's no comparison from Lonzo to Bam Adebayo because of position-wise, but if you want to talk about Lowry versus versus Ball, or Lowry versus Levine, whichever one you want to match up, and then you want to talk about Butler versus one of the, versus DeRozan probably is probably the most, the, the closest one, the Heat have the better team, and it's just like, what do you, and, and, and also the Heat made it to the finals, so they have confidence that this team can get back, and by the way, they have Duncan Robinson too. I don't see the Bulls doing that. So no. I, I feel like the Heat, these are really good signings. Uh, I mean, they're not huge, but at the same time, you need a good back end of the roster. You need a lot of guys who, one guy goes down. I mean, look at what happened to the Bucks. Nante DiVincenzo went down, and Pat Connaughton had to step up, and Bobby Portis had to step up for the rest of the playoffs. It was really, really necessary for those guys to be playing that well for them. Uh, the Bucks trade, speaking of the Bucks, trade Sam Merrill to Memphis and two second-round picks. For Grayson Allen, Semi Ojale also signs there. Uh, these are, you know, they're they're not very important, but uh, the Grayson Allen pickup is very interesting because he plays really, really similarly to Pat Connaughton and Dante DiVincenzo, kind of hanging around on the perimeter and sometimes driving in if he's feeling a little fearless on the night. So it's kind of interesting that they got another guy like that, another wing player like this. But at the same time, team just won a championship. There's no point in downing their front office, so yeah, I trust they they've got they bought themselves a pass for several years. Yeah, I mean they can really do whatever they want in the same way that as long as the Spurs have Greg Popovich, it doesn't really matter who they pick up. I don't really care because it's Greg Popovich. He'll 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 take the drafted player, and make him better. Now this one was interesting. This next one, I wasn't expecting this to happen because I feel like this deal was not signed very long ago. Kevin Durant re-signs with the Nets for four years, 198 million. Also signed DeAndre Bembry. Uh, for one year, and Patty Mills, and James Johnson, and Bruce Brown re-signed. So the Nets reloading their roster to counter what the Lakers did. Uh, and by the way, there were rumors that Patty Mills might go to the Lakers. Maybe Carmelo Anthony pushed that away because the Lakers felt they had enough in, in terms of veterans and in terms of shooting. But I can't, I can't believe that the Lakers wouldn't want more, so I bet they were still in the running for Patty Mills when it, when it's all said and done. But at the same time, these are good signings. Uh, obviously, you want to lock up your franchise player, so great that they got to re-sign KD. Uh, DeAndre Bembry can probably contribute off the bench for them. James Johnson, same thing. Bruce Brown played for them last year pretty well. And then Patty Mills, obviously, is going to give you a lot of shooting. He's going to be a really good backup to Kyrie and James Harden whenever he needs to take some minutes off of their table. So pretty good pickups for them, in my opinion. Uh, so that's it for the Nets. Uh, then you have Kem Birch re-signing with the Raptors for three years. They also signed Ishmael Wainwright, from who who formerly went to Baylor and then came back from Europe and is now coming back to Europe. 
on a two-year deal. Coming and back also, from Europe. From yeah, coming back from Europe, too. sorry. Uh, and then also Sam Decker, who also was in Europe, although previously played at Wisconsin, was memorably on the team that made it to the Final Four for Wisconsin. So, But, uh, I mean, you know, nothing nothing against or for these pickups, honestly. It just feels like the Raptors being the Raptors, feeling like they see some talent and they think they can develop it, which, again, another team that has the we-won-the-title-exemption, so can't really talk about them either. And, by the way, their coach, Nick Nurse, does come from a G League background, so that is kind of... That is kind of his mantra, to develop players, so it'd be very strange if he couldn't do that, and I think they believe in him to do that. Uh, Then you have the Knicks. Now, they made some interesting moves. They really are showing that they want to be in it. They want to be the premier franchise. They want to challenge the Nets. They re-signed Julius Randle for four years, $117 million, uh, $80 million or $70 million less than... The no eighty million less eighty one million actually less than the Nets ended up signing Kevin Durant for so pretty interesting there that they get their star back uh, on on a lesser deal. Kemba Walker has a, has agreed to a buyout with Oklahoma City and is reportedly going to sign with the Knicks. They also have Taj Gibson staying for another year and now I'm going to go back to the Kemba Walker pickup. That is huge. That's really the first guy I think in a very long time that I can remember who's wanted, who's been in a bad situation and wanted to come to New York. It wasn't a trade. It wasn't a guy in his last legs. It wasn't a guy like Derrick Rose who's had his MVP seasons in the past, but a few torn ACLs removed from that at this point. This is a legitimate star. Maybe coming off a little bit of an off year, and yeah, the Celtics traded him for really... Not that much, but uh, he is still a really, really good player. And again, OKC flips a player for first-round picks, by the way, as they already did on draft night for Kemba Walker, I believe. And it's just ridiculous what they're doing. But that's a different story. Now they buy it. Now they buy his contract out to just let him walk and go somewhere else in the same way that they did with Al Horford going back to the Celtics. See, with this, to me, the Bulls haven't even supplanted the Knicks. They're still below the Knicks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, the Bulls, I think, like, doesn't move the needle. I mean, I would think that honestly, with that, with the signings that the Bulls made, I would still think that even if the Knicks didn't get Kemba Walker, they would still be possibly a better team come the end of the year. They're, they're uh, low, they're, and by the way, we'll get to them later. But the Hawks are still better than the Bulls too. The Bulls are eight, six, seven, six yeah. maybe seed team. Even I, with I agree moves. with that. Uh, so yeah, but the Knicks making huge, huge moves to look. I mean, they're trying to make sure that the city doesn't fall out of their grasp. Uh, kind of in the way that we talked about the series earlier on the podcast, kind of in the way that maybe the White Sox are becoming the premier team in yep. Chicago as they become a World Series contender and the Cubs, you know, trade away their entire franchise. Um, so it's interesting that the Knicks are really actually trying to stick in with the Nets, even though the Nets have KD, Kyrie, and Harden. And honestly, it probably rejuvenates their fan base that they're saying, we're going to stand up to these guys because I'm going to be honest, it's quite a bold move. In the same way that the Clippers trying to be better than the Lakers is, it's it's very it's very bold to try to stand up to a star-studded team like the Nets. Uh, moving on from the Knicks to a much lesser team, Saban Lee re-signs with the Pistons for three years. Talk uh, about not moving the needle. All right, keep going. I mean, but you know, you got to resign. You got to resign some guys that you drafted. By the way, a good draft pick. They got him in the second round, and now he's getting a three-year contract. Co- clearly proves that he did something right, and they like how he's going. Uh, but Probably not going to be starting over Cade Cunningham, but we'll see. Uh, then you have Justice Winslow and Reggie Jackson, both signing two-year deals with the Clippers. Reggie Jackson obviously returning after 
honestly a pretty I, I there's it's a hard it wasn't really resurgent but kind of a breakout but not really playoffs for the Clippers it wasn't a breakout because he's been in the league for a while but uh, a really good playoffs for the Clippers he was a really solid option while Kawhi was out uh, and then you get Justice Winslow who might start while Kawhi is out at the beginning of the season I would assume uh, I, maybe he doesn't but I think he will uh, and you get those guys for the next two years which We'll see if Kawhi, actually, Kawhi's technically not on the team yet because he hasn't really re-signed and he opted out of his deal, but I assume that'll happen in the next week, and we'll probably be talking about it next Monday, but we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe they're getting a little too crazy trying to take some money off of his contract because he's injured, and maybe he doesn't like that too much, so you never know. Uh, and by the way, he was going to go, everybody thought he was staying with Toronto, and then he didn't, so you really never know with Kawhi. <laughs> He was on the brochure, the season ticket renewal brochure. I don't think the Clippers would have done that if they weren't pretty confident he was coming back. Well, but I bet the Raptors almost did the same thing, yeah, so you well, never know. Yeah. Uh, but then you have Danny Green, not related to the Clippers, but formerly related to L.A. and the Lakers, re-signing with the Sixers for two years, $20 million. The Sixers also signed Andre Drummond, which is a pretty, pretty interesting pickup for them because... Uh, I don't know what that does with Joel Embiid. I mean, I guess, is he a backup to Joel Embiid? Do you play both of them at the same time? Are they trying to do what the Lakers did, starting AD and Drummond at the same time and doing Embiid and playing Embiid in the AD role? Which, honestly, I think they could try that out because he he did not... I don't think it was that Joel didn't want to be in the post, but I feel like if he stays out of the post, he can do a lot of good things for them, and he's a really good three. Honestly, the way that that team is, he's one of their better three-point shooters, so he could really, he could honestly stay out on the perimeter, and you can play four and one with Drummond in the middle. It's very possible. And then if you, and then if you wanted to put him in the post, good luck guarding Drummond and Joel Embiid at the same time. Just good luck to other teams. Uh, but it, pretty interesting moves for the Sixers there. Then, as part of that, uh, as part of the sign-and-trade, I believe... Actually, maybe this is the one that got looped in. I don't know. There's, like, so many sign-and-trades, and they're all getting looped in with each other. It's very random. Washington is sending Chandler Hutchinson and a 2022 second-round pick to San Antonio as part of a multi-team deal in the Spencer Dinwiddie sign-and-trade. Brooklyn gets a 2024 second-round pick and a 2025 pick swap for the Wizards... So Dinwiddie ends up on the Wizards, and now now that we've talked about every single individual piece of this trade, I'm going to go through the headlining pieces. I'm not going to talk about all the different picks because it's way too confusing. But in the end, this turns into a five-team trade that is now official. The Lakers get Russell Westbrook, some other picks. The Wizards get Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyle Kuzma, KCP, Montrez Harrell, Aaron Holiday from the Pacers, the draft rights to Isaiah Todd from the Pacers, and some cash. The Nets get some draft rights from the Spurs to Nikola Milutinov and some other picks. Uh, the Spurs get Chandler Hutchinson and some picks. Then the Pacers get the draft rights to Isaiah Jackson from the Lakers. So, and and by the way, the reason why the Nets actually did that is to get a trade exception, which is a pretty big deal in the NBA. It's one of those hidden, hidden contract things, but... They get an $11.5 million trade exception, which is pretty important in the future because they won't have to pay cap space if they want to add to their super team later in the year, which I'm going to assume they will be doing that later this year, just like they pulled off the James Harden blockbuster in the middle of last season. Then you have the Jazz acquiring Eric Paschal from the Warriors for a second-round pick. Then, speaking of the Warriors, they re-signed Steph Curry for four years, $215 million, and also signed Nemanja Bialica, 
Uh, this is, I mean, of course Steph is re-signing, but it really goes to show you these might be the last contracts for all of these players, and it really just, it would be, it wouldn't be all too surprising, I should say. Uh, and it's really, it, we're really, you look at the end of these contracts, we're really looking at the end of an era because you have Steph with four years left on this deal after the extension, or I guess now, I think he still has five or six, considering that I think the deal still runs for one or two and then this extension. Kevin Durant, same thing. You have LeBron on a deal that I that expires, I believe, in two seasons. It really could be near the end for some of these players, and they're all in their in their mid thirties. And obviously for LeBron, his his upper thirties, it really could be the end of an era. And on the other hand, moving on to probably who will be in the next era, John Collins resigns with the Hawks for five years, one hundred and fifteen million. After Trey Young resigns for five years, two hundred and seven million. Uh, it's crazy. Everybody talks about how Trey could be the next Steph, and that's what his draft profile was. Although he's not getting as much money in Steph in one more year, but obviously this is rookie max contract, so it's very hard to uh, get anywhere near the the amount that Steph is getting with all the accolades that he's racked up. Uh, you know, championships, MVPs, all that stuff. So very hard to get to his level. Uh, then you have Terrence Davis, who stays with the Kings for two years. Mo Harkless also stays with the Kings, and the Kings signed Tristan Thompson. Uh, they also re-signed Rashawn Holmes earlier this week, so the Kings definitely getting some uh, some help with their centers and also drafting Nemeus Cato, which I said was a pretty good pick. So it'll be a pretty crowded uh, rotation there. We'll see what ends up happening. I guess Cato probably won't play that much, considering that they have Tristan Thompson and uh, and also have Rashawn Holmes. But that's pretty much it for the Kings. Not too interesting. I mean, this is kind of what you expect from a team like that, a small market team. Maybe the Bulls should have taken this approach too. We'll see what happens at the end of the year. I think you'd rather not be all all the way over the cap luxury when you're not going to really go anywhere. But we'll see what happens at the end of the year. Maybe they'll make me eat my words. Uh, Then you have Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gay signing with the Utah Jazz. Actually, some interesting pickups, but I guess this is just uh, maybe Derek Favors possibly leaving, and then you get Rudy Gobert a good backup on defense and to also rebound really well, and then Rudy Gay just kind of a guy that will you know stick in the rotation and play pretty good minutes for them, a veteran who has a lot of playoff experience and a lot of general play and a lot of general experience. Uh, you have Robin Lopez signing with the Magic for one year. You have Rodney Hood signing with the Bucks, so the Bucks add even more shooting, which is pretty interesting. But I guess the idea is you have Giannis, you have Drew Holiday, you have Chris Middleton. Giannis is not the best shooter, but Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton can shoot, and then you surround those three with even more shooters. That is going to be a dangerous team, and probably their biggest weakness was three-point shooting last year, arguably. So Rodney Hood, a really good signing for them. And then after they buy out the contract of Kemba Walker, the Thunder re-signed Shea Gilgis-Alexander to, I believe, a max contract for what his accolades are. Five years, $172 million. Uh, honestly, not... I wouldn't say he's exactly... This is exactly a surprising signing, but at the same time, when I saw this news, I was not exactly expecting it to be this soon because I thought... Honestly, I thought Shea might want to leave just considering what Oklahoma City is doing, but 
Obviously, in their top-secret GM room, they have revealed to him that their plan is their championship window is actually to stop trading picks sometime in the next six years so that by the time that he's at the end of the contract, maybe they're in the playoffs with him at the lead. Uh, and maybe instead of trading away all those picks uh, or, or trading for all those picks, they trade away all those picks and get some players to surround him with. Who knows what will happen? But uh, I get it's really weird that the Thunder actually could get a player to re-sign for five years, but I think also maybe just getting that money and and being able to sign for more money with the, home, with the team that you're with, and by the way, they'll probably still trade him later. <laughs> well, at some point, they got to stop stockpiling picks and, and build a team. But. Well, I mean, they don't have to. They could just do it until they feel like, uh, I don't know. The best draft is... class ever, and they'll just draft the whole Yeah, they'll, they'll just draft all picks. the first round. Yeah, <laughs> why not? So. Until Bronny comes along and they'll shine LeBron to uh, to play with him. Okay, well we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. All right, I think that wraps up our look at the uh, last week's activity. A lot of activity in NBA free agency and trades. It also wraps up this edition of the Fourth and Twenty Four podcast. So please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Friday, August thirteenth, where we will have our weekly analysis of NBA action, of MLB action. And discuss the Olympics. In the meantime, as sh- the Olympics are actually ending, I believe they, I believe the last few events were today. But they are, the Olympics are done. They'll for sure be done uh, by yeah, Friday the thirteenth. And uh, so, in the meantime, please check out uh, Patrick's additional content on our website, including his picks for next weekend's games and his MLB Power Rankings updates, which are posted on Saturdays. That is at fourthand24.com. Again, the number four, T H A N D, the number twenty-four.com. Thank you for listening.